Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Today is January 24th, 2022, and our first story Biden prepares a deployment of up to 50,000 troops in Eastern Europe as China advances on Taiwan. World War III is now trending on Twitter, and many believe we will be at war with Russia in this year. In our next story, Bill Maher finally comes out, grows a spine, and pushes back on Fauci, saying, don't you tell me what to do. Barry Weiss challenges COVID, saying, I'm done with it. Liberals are waking up and saying no more. In our last story, Trump's social media network will have more censorship than Twitter. They say it will be the most family friendly. At least that's what Devin Nunes said. Now, if you like the show, give us a good review and leave us five stars. Share the show with your friends. It really does help. Now, let's get into that first story. It seems incredibly likely that this year we will see war with Russia, potentially World War III. A lot of people don't want to believe it. They say it's too far-fetched. It can't happen. There will never be another world war. But right now, Joe Biden is considering sending 50,000 troops, as well as warships and aircraft, to NATO allies in Eastern Europe over a fear of a Russian invasion of Ukraine. NATO is already sending fighter jets and aircraft carriers into the region. And maybe it can be contained in Eastern Europe. But China has just sent fighter jets into Taiwanese air defense airspace. It seems incredibly likely that the moment a war breaks out in Europe, China will take Taiwan. We will be engaged in a confrontation, most likely in two different theaters, Eastern Europe and the Pacific. And I don't know if the U.S. can actually handle that level of conflict, especially after everything this country has been through over the past few years. We're a demoralized nation. Our southern border is in shambles as millions just walk into this country unchecked and unabated. If the U.S. were to engage in war in Eastern Europe or in the Pacific against China over the, the, the taking of Taiwan, do you think the enemies of the United States will overlook the disastrous and porous southern border as a means of sowing domestic discontent and conflict, forcing the U.S. to retreat or destabilizing our economy? 
If the southern border is not secured, the United States cannot engage in a war. And if it does, it will not succeed. And maybe that's the point. Maybe it is Chinese interests. They want Taiwan. The history of Taiwan is a complicated one, but China views it as its own sovereign territory. If the U.S. can't defend Taiwan, what does that say to Japan, to the the Pacific Islands? What does it say to Vietnam, these other countries? What does it say to Americans with Hawaii and Alaska? It says that China will become the dominant global power. And while we are preoccupied with Ukrainian borders for some reason, we will be taken advantage of and we are being taken advantage of. And if you look at home domestically, you can see the chaos just shows. I don't think we could. I don't think the United States is going to be able to pull through this one. It's not just about the war and the conflict and the escalation, which we are absolutely watching. It's about the cultural issues. A viral video of TikTok army women doing dances and trying to hide because the drill sergeant is coming. That's the army. Perhaps a trick, a ruse by the clever army intelligence You see, we ordered these young women to do TikTok coordinated dancing to make our enemies think that we are weak, in fact, because that's, you know, that's the art of war to appear weak to your enemy. I think, I don't know, that way they underestimate you or something. The art of war, ah, open your southern borders, destroy your own local economy. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure any of that's supposed to be happening if you're actually planning on winning a war. One of the actual tenets of the art of war is to win the war before it starts. The U.S. hasn't done that. Maybe it has. Maybe we just don't realize it. But boy, do we have a lot to go through. In, inside the United States, we have a very serious crisis politically and culturally. How can we hope to achieve victory against these other countries? Memes are emerging showing Russian supermarkets filled with groceries and American supermarkets empty. Now, it's not real. It's just propaganda. But for who? I don't know why. I mean, we do have empty shelves here, but we also have stores with full shelves. Why highlight that difference and make it seem like Russia is doing better than we are? Perhaps to trick them into thinking we're too weak to actually win a battle or a war? I don't know. But some have said this is why you've been inundated with five years or six or seven, actually, of anti-Russian propaganda so that when the war breaks out, You'll know exactly why it did. Let's read about what's happening with this potential war and trending on Twitter, World War Three. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to help support the work uh, that we do here at TimCast. Our, our members only podcasts are available to you if you are a member. Our journalists are funded by you as a member. So again, TimCast.com, sign up, help support our work. But don't forget, share this video. Take the URL, post it wherever you can. Sharing is the most powerful thing you can do. And if you do this, we would be bigger than the mainstream media overnight if every single person shared these videos. Don't forget to smash the like button and subscribe. Let's read the first story from the Daily Mail. President Biden is considering deploying 50,000 troops as well as warships and aircraft to NATO allies in Eastern Europe amid growing fears of a Russian invasion of Ukraine. The plan would see between 1,000 and 5,000 soldiers sent to NATO nations such as Lithuania, Estonia, and Latvia. Troop numbers could then be increased by up to 50,000 if the security situation deteriorates, backed up by fresh deployments of ships and aircraft. Pentagon officials presented the plan to Biden during a summit at Camp David over the weekend. The plan would not involve American troops deployed directly to Ukraine, 
with Biden thought to be loath to enter another conflict following his disastrous withdrawal of Afghanistan. An NBC, an NBC news report notes that other options presented to Biden ahead of an invasion were sending bomber flights over the region, ships into the Black Sea and moving troops and equipment from other parts of Europe into Poland, Romania and other countries that neighbor Ukraine. Biden is due to make the call on military measures as soon as this week. The Times detailed even as high level talks between Washington and Moscow continue with the U.S. due to submit a written response to Russian security demands. The Times claims this presents a change in Biden's strategy, claiming the administration is now moving away from its do not provoke Russia strategy. But the White House feels differently, noting that Biden already said during his press conference last week, we're going to actually increase troop presence in Poland, in Romania, etc. If in fact he moves, the president has publicly said that he would deploy troops to Eastern Europe if the Russians invade. So I don't really get how the New York Times advance story advances like that advances that a senior White House official told Playbook on its Monday morning edition. Now, many people are concerned. Joe Biden recently at a press conference said if there was a minor incursion from Russia into Ukraine, we would discuss what we would do. But if they use the full force of what they're capable of, then we would swiftly respond. What does that mean? If if Russia engages in a minor incursion, we'll talk about it. Many around Europe and around the world were shocked by the language saying that Joe Biden was effectively inviting Russia to invade. And I will tell you this. I believe it is because they want the war. They want control. They need what, 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 what is what is the proper Latin phrase? Cassius belly. Is that is that how it says? I'm, I'm, am I saying that wrong? I, I don't know the exact term, but a cause for war, a justification. The U.S. can't just invade. They can't just go there and stomp out Russia. They need Russia to do something so that the U.S. can say, oh, oh, geez. Oh, no. Now we have war. You know, I thought the Democrats would engage in advanced lockdowns this year because they need something to campaign on. I think I was wrong about that. Luke Rutkowski said he thought with the Omicron variant, the Democrats were going to back away from this and ultimately the COVID restrictions would end. Plus, if the U.S. is going to be engaging in war, we need to bolster our economy, which means the lockdowns must stop. Those things together. I'd be willing to say I was wrong about this. I I don't know what's going to happen. I don't want to make any predictions, but I think Luke may be right. I think we're going to start seeing the, the removal of these restrictions. You're seeing it in Europe. Why? Perhaps they know war is coming. It's time to drive our economy as hard as we can because the war is fast approaching. From the Daily Caller, you thought it was just Joe Biden talking about deploying troops? No. NATO deploys fighter jets, aircraft carriers to Eastern Europe as threat of Russian invasion grows. NATO said Monday that it was deploying fighter jets and aircraft carriers to Eastern Europe. NATO allies are putting forces on standby and sending additional ships and fighter jets to NATO deployments in Eastern Europe, reinforcing allied deterrence and defense as Russia continues its military buildup in and around Ukraine. Specifics surrounding how many ships and jets would be sent remained unclear. The announcement came a day after President Joe Biden reportedly began considering whether to send thousands of U.S. troops to the region in an attempt to deter Russia. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. 
then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds, and stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. The U.S. has also made clear that it is considering increasing its military presence in the eastern part of the alliance, NATO said. The statement outlined how NATO, NATO members plan to join the Allied military front. Denmark is deploying a frigate to the Baltic Sea and four fighter jets to Lithuania. Spain is disp- dispatching ships and jets in the same manner as France has said that it may send troops to Romania. NATO will continue to take all necessary measures to protect and defend all allies, including by reinforcing the eastern part of the alliance. We will always respond to any deterioration of our security environment, including through strengthening our collective defense. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said the Allied forces will counter over 100,000 Russian troops stationed near Ukraine, the Ukrainian border. And while Russian, Russia seemed poised to invade the former member of the USSR, USSR, having already invaded Crimea in 2014, the Kremlin has denied that it plans to invade the sovereign nation. My friends, many have already pointed this out. Russia has invaded. They're in Crimea. The US did nothing. NATO did nothing. Russia will likely invade. I do not believe the US should be involved in this. I really don't. But I don't see, I don't see a way out. I don't see how there's any other circumstance other than the dominoes are falling right before our eyes. World War III? Perhaps, I don't know. But it's not just going to be Russia. China will be involved. In a tweet from Jake Schneider on Twitter, he is the GOP rapid response. State Department, do not travel to Ukraine due to imminent war. And COVID. I don't really care about the COVID part. But they say, exercise, incre- uh, you know, due to, due to threats. Do not travel to Ukraine due to the increased threats of the Russian military and COVID-19. Right now on Twitter, World War Three is trending. In the top posts, we have some people saying disease, pestilence, World War Three, like a dystopian 1970s sci-fi movie. World War Three trending because people think that it's not just going to be Russia. And I think that it's a fair point. The United States has ordered family members of embassy staff to leave Ukraine. The State Department warned that the U.S. would not be in a position to evacuate U.S. citizens should Russia invade. The embassy will remain open for now, senior State Department officials said in a briefing with reporters. But some diplomats have been authorized to depart as well. The State Department also cited the possibility of Russian military action in keeping its travel risk advisory at level four, the highest category, highest category, urging U.S. citizens to not travel to Ukraine. The advisory was raised to that level last month because of concerns about COVID. Quote, U.S. citizens should be aware that Russian military action anywhere in Ukraine would severely impact the U.S. embassy's ability to provide consular services, including assistance to U.S. citizens in departing Ukraine. Visa processing and most other consular services at the embassy will continue for the time being, officials said. 
The embassy is one of the larger American missions in Europe. It has about 900 employees total, the vast majority of them Ukrainians, some of whom have been with the mission since it opened three decades ago. The State Department officials said they did not know how many American citizens are currently in Ukraine. The U.S. embassy in neighboring Minsk, Belarus, issued a new alert on Sunday night, also emerging Americans to stay away from public demonstrations and consider leaving the country amid reports of further unusual Russian military activity near Ukraine's borders, including the border with Belarus last week. Britain on Saturday accused Putin of plotting to replace Ukraine's government with pro-Russian leaders. And the State Department has warned that Moscow could be planting false intelligence that could be later used to justify an invasion. President Biden has been weighing several options that could expand America's military presence in the region. William Taylor, a retired veteran diplomat who served twice as ambassador to Ukraine, said in an interview that he was not surprised by the State Department's decision. He said that conversations about a potential evacuation had been taking place for one to two months between the embassy and State Department headquarters in Washington. Quote, I think this is a prudent step, he said. On the Russian side, there's the continued buildup, the continued massing of troops. He pointed out that the Russian military has missiles that can reach across Ukraine and weapons that can lob artillery shells deep into Ukraine. And tensions could rise in the next week as Biden, the Biden administration steps up deterrence measures, said Mr. Taylor. I don't know exactly what to expect, but I would heed these warnings. They're telling you to stay away. You likely should. However, many of you may find yourselves headed to or in Ukraine. I will also point out this is the New York Times. They helped get us into war in Iraq. I do not trust them at all. I think the New York Times has faltered. I think their message is trash. And I think their journalism is garbage. So we will see. In the meantime, Newsweek says Ukraine condemns U.S. decision to begin evacuating people from the country. Well, the reason Ukraine is probably saying this is because it costs them money. People being there spending things good for Ukraine. Ukraine, Ukraine can use that increased economic activity to buy weapons to defend themselves. As more and more people flee, Ukrainian citizens likely will start fleeing for a variety of reasons. I mean, one, the economy is not that strong. And now with the prospect of war, if you have an opportunity to get out of Ukraine, people will probably take it. I don't believe it will end there, as I've already stated. In this story from ABC News, China sends 39 warplanes towards Taiwan, largest in New Year. China's flown 39 warplanes in its largest such sortie of the new year, amid tensions over the self-ruled island's future, and as the U.S. pushes to assert its presence in the region, the Chinese formation Saturday night included 24 J-16 fighter jets and 10 J-10 jets, among other support and electronic war uh, warfare aircraft. Taiwan's Air Force scrambled its own jets and tracked the People's Liberation Army planes on its air defense radar system. The Chinese sortie came, as the U.S. military said, that two of its carrier strike groups were sailing on Sunday in the South China Sea, led by USS Carl Vinson and USS Abraham Lincoln. They engaged in anti-submarine air and combat readiness operations. China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs declined to comment on why the PLA had flown such a large sortie on Monday, saying it was not a diplomatic matter. Taiwan and China split during a civil war in 1949. We understand this, and I'll give you the brief understanding. China was not always communist. The communists took over. The actual government of China remained in Taiwan. China now being a large communist country believes that the original government is illegitimate and thus they've taken over 
Let me tell you guys something. Any logical view of what's happening would say Taiwan is the actual Republic of China. Just because a group of ideological zealots takes over a landmass and then claims the name doesn't mean it's that country. China, as far as it goes in terms of its name, was ended the moment these people, the Communist Party, took over and started executing anyone who disagreed. If the U.S. was invaded by a group of people, calling it the U.S. does not change the fact the country has been invaded and conquered. Where this goes? Potential war. The South China Morning Post reports, Taiwan war risk highest in the past 25 years as U.S. tensions rise, mainland experts warn. I hope not. I certainly hope not, but hope is not really going to get you all that far, is it? Pretending to be blindly optimistic is not going to solve anything. The reality is we've got a warmonger political party, the U.S. establishment. They want war. They love war. They make money off it. They control the people off it. They use the fear to control you. They use the fear to make money. They use the fear to take your money so they can buy more weapons, advance more weapons, and maintain their imperialistic power. So war is good for them. War with Ukraine, at least, because the U.S. knows Russia can't do much if the full force of the U.S. Uh, full force of the U.S. drops down on it. But with China pressing against us and a real fear of Thucydides' trap, perhaps it's a rock and a hard place, my friends. Perhaps as soon as Russia moves in, the U.S. responds. China will leap right onto onto Taiwan. The U.S. will be split between two theater, uh, war war fronts, and then what? We falter. I'm going to show you the reality of what's happening in this post from Mediaite. Let's talk about the state of the U.S. military and my uh, levels of confidence. U.S. Army Twitter account mocked for using Lena Del Rey, quote, please don't let China see this tweet, quote. The U.S. Army showed a, a young woman crawling under barbed wire in what appears to be basic training, quote, being brave means knowing that when you fail, you don't fail forever. Lena Del Rey. And you have these a uh, picture of this woman. The United States cares so much for political correctness that they are, are entertaining this idea that uh, our army, our armed forces will be better served with Lena Del Rey quotes and female soldiers. Let me let me clarify this. Let me let me make sure I, I, I get you all the nuance in here. I uh, have tremendous respect for the women who served in the armed forces. I have tremendous respect for the women who are providing assistance and support and for those who are willing to undergo basic training. But we need to be real about the state of political correctness in this country, how, is it, how it is actually infecting this country, and ultimately can lead to our ruin. It's a good thing when women serve. I think so. There's maternity flight suits that made the news a while back. Seems a little odd and absurd to me. I don't know why we would need pregnant female pilots, but... Okay, maybe flight suits aren't just for that. Maybe that's naive of me, right? Maybe or, or, or I should say not naive, but ignorant. And there are a lot of people. But I can speak uh, personally to this one. And I, and, and I, I say to everybody, feel free to offer up the uh, other context I may be missing. I know a lot of people who have been in the army. I know uh, a, a decent amount of people who have gone through basic training. And the one thing I often hear is that when men and women go through basic training, the women are, are cut slack. They don't do real push-ups. They cry. They break down. They're required to be able to, to be given showers. They can walk away from whatever they want. The men can't. 
I don't know what the point is of basic training if you don't have people actually engage in it. Now, perhaps this is but anecdotal. And it's just that I know a handful of people have experienced all this, all these similar things in different circumstances. Let me show you this one. This is a video, Daily Caller Shorts. Here you have a bunch of young women in their army, uh, uh, you know, pajamas, I guess. And they're doing choreographed TikTok dancing. It's a video from the Daily Caller. Choreographed, chest bumping, hand waving, TikTok dancing. We are, we are a silly nation. We are not a serious people. We're children. We are a nation of permanent children. Here we go. Get that TikTok dance. That's what it's all about. In another clip highlighted by the Daily Caller, you have these women attempting to choreograph their TikTok dance when all of a sudden, oh, there's some men there too. All of a sudden, oh, drill sergeant's coming. Quick, grab the phone. I get it, man. People goof off. I got no problem with that. I see no issue with people goofing off. But we are a silly people. At a time when we're getting military ads from Russia of shave uh, of men with shaven heads jumping from planes, what the, the message that's coming out on social media from the United States is it's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. And narrative is important. It really, really is. Morale is important. I understand. This is just a bunch of people goofing off and people goof off. It's not that big of a deal. I agree. I would say that, yes. But we're, it, it's not so much that I'm concerned about the TikTok dancing individ, as individuals. A bunch of young women, you know, doing their chest bumping, hand waving dance. It's that this is the message being sent out at a time of, of an escalation towards war. That you, as someone who's in the army, can't speak politically. You can't stand up and say, Joe Biden screwed this country in Afghanistan. Because that guy, what happened to him? He goes to jail. Well, ultimately, they, you know, they let him go. But that was a scandal, a major scandal. What happens when you get people making a mockery of our armed forces, showing weakness, demoralizing? Perhaps it's, it's some people think that you need this for morale. Nothing, nothing. It's just the way it is. So I can only say at a time when we're experiencing serious conflict, and an escalation that may lead to World War III, the message being sent and being seen is army commercials of little girls talking about how they have two moms. That's great. You know, congratulations. I'm glad you found pride in your family and, you, and, and congratulations to your loved ones. Shouldn't that be like a PBS uh, infomercial and not a, an army ad? Now, I can understand, you know, we still have the Marines and the Marine commercials are a bit more brutal. But when it comes to the message we're trying to send to people to assert our ability to fight in conflict, is this the message we want getting out? These women doing the chest bumping TikTok dances. The issue here is, shouldn't there be command? Shouldn't there be someone who's in charge of a narrative? Shouldn't there be someone who says this is the image and the brand of the U.S. armed forces? Because I will tell you this. If you, this is an old, old known uh, uh, trope in, in marketing PR. If you do not have a message, someone will make the message for you. So by all means, ladies, do your, 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 your bosom dance. Great. And I'm sure that in Russia, they're laughing at us because we are not a serious people. Meanwhile, in the United States, our border is collapsing. TSA confirms it lets illegal immigrants use arrest warrants as ID in airports. I do not 
understand how this country expects to survive a conflict, a conflict on two fronts. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is, this is, this is uh, I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted by this story. The TSA confirmed to Fox News on Friday that it allows illegal immigrants to use arrest warrants as an alternative form of ID to board planes. For non-citizens and non-U.S. nationals who do not otherwise have acceptable forms of ID for presentation, at security checkpoints, the TSA may also accept certain DHS-issued forms, including warrant for arrest of an alien. Does the warrant have your photo on it? I'd imagine it does. Shouldn't they arrest you on the spot when you present to them a warrant for their arrest? We're not a serious people. No, we are children. We are permanent children. I got, I got to be honest. I, 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 as much as I can understand that people in the army want to goof off and have fun, I am disgusted by the TikTok dancing. I'm just, and it's, and it's, it's, it's the TikTok dancing itself. It's, you know, me going out and, uh, seeing kids put their phone on a windowsill in the middle of the street and start doing music video dancing. And I'm just like, I get it, man. You know, future generations develop their own cultures and do different things. But TikTok, China-owned app, putting us in this position. It is what it is, man. Allow me to be that grumpy old man who says, dancing is forbidden. No, I don't really think it's forbidden. I, I, I have no issue with people having fun. That's, that's besides the point. I, I think the choreography in a lot of these TikTok videos is actually fairly impressive. Like, it, it's cool that people are learning this stuff. And to be honest, I think when it even comes to the army, teamwork building. They're building rapport, they're friends, they're doing something together, they're coordinating. There's a lot of benefit to that. There is. It's about the message we're sending out. It's about the nurses and the hospitals, TikTok dancing on the graves of the COVID dead. And China is absolutely playing a, a powerful game with us. China, TikTok, China, Wuhan lab. You know, I think the problem with the United States is that we are, we are ruled by the old, by the elderly. Our politicians are too old to understand the modern world. Bill Maher, the boomer, is talking about things on his show that we've all talked about a year ago. Maybe we're watching something new with all of us, those of you who watch these videos and share them, and, uh, and similar videos and similar content. Maybe we're watching the emergence of a new mentality, a new zeitgeist, and the old will have to be shed away like, uh, like an exoskeleton. We've grown too big for all of this. But in the meantime, it means that those of us that are aware of what's going on, we don't have the power to do anything about it. Our generals are woke. Our president is, is pushing woke policies. Our establishment politicians are, are living in the past and don't understand modern warfare. And China knows war. There's a question you need to ask when you're looking at any of this stuff. What is war? What is it? I'm sure you can look up a simple definition. Conflict between two groups over control of a country or something. War. You know it when you see it, I suppose, but maybe you don't. Maybe we and the elderly that run this country, the decrepit, old, mentally unfit Joe Bidens 
And even in Donald Trump, you know, to, to his credit for the things I did like, it's an old man as well. Schumer, Pelosi, and again, Bill Maher, the elderly. Okay, Bill Maher's not that old, but for the most part, the elderly. They can't see what's happening. They don't understand warfare outside of missile strikes. China thought ahead. They said war is the means by which we can take over, manipulate, and control. And that's what we have. We have media manipulation. We have TikTok manipulation, algorithmic manipulation. Fourth and fifth generational warfare. False flag attacks. But fifth generational warfare, the most important. Propaganda. If you look back at a lot of wars, it was often about resources, competition, fears. Sometimes they'd be scared you'd attack, you know, you're going to attack me, so I'm going to attack you first. And it was physical conflict. A way to control another group for some reason or another. Maybe to steal their resources. Maybe to get them to produce something for you. Maybe to make sure that you were in charge of how they lived their lives. Maybe it was moral. Maybe it was religious. If you didn't have to fire a single round to win a war, would you? Of course. Who wouldn't? I think China knows that. I think China knows that if we just manipulate through information, the West, we can take over their countries without ever having to fire a single round. And they wouldn't even know we were at war with them and destroying their lives. That's why it's funny. For a while, there was a word in Chinese, baitsua, means white left. And they, they made fun of the social justice warriors. All of a sudden, something happened. A bunch of Chinese personalities, like government personalities, Chinese Communist Party, started praising social justice, started using their message. Interesting. I think they realized that it was tearing this country apart. At first, they thought it was a means to criticize us because the world would see the emperor has no clothes. Then I think they realized, hey, this is growing. And actually, it's destroying the country from within. Now we have woke culture. Now we have the woke military. And all of those diversity trainings they're going through, not going to help them. Look, in World War II, people of different races fought. Certainly not a perfect world, a very racist one. Today's day and age, we don't need this stuff. We're one of the most progressive generations ever. Even those that are more conservative or libertarian. Yet it's happening. It's distracting us. And war is on the verge of breaking out and the U.S. is in shambles. Our border is insecure. Illegal immigrants use arrest warrants to fly without being arrested. People have lost confidence that any of this is happening, like, is, is going to, like, this country is going to stay together. Democrats want more lockdowns. Republicans disagree. People are fleeing blue states. You know, a lot of what happened with COVID was beneficial in the sense that it moved a portion of our economy back to the U.S. It, de- it, it got people out of major cities. And I mentioned this, you know, those moves would greatly benefit us if a war with China broke out. Now here we are, potentially facing World War III. Well, I guess it's a good thing that our cities have decentralized. I guess it's a good thing that we're doing remote learning and remote working. Because when you had everybody working in one city, that city got nuked. Your economy's gone. Now, because of COVID, we've decentralized to a great degree. Could that be it? Could it be that the the plan was always we were going to go to war and certain measures had to be taken without informing our enemies of why we're taking them? We can't come out and say, hey, war is coming soon. Everybody, you know, leave the city. It wouldn't work. But Democrats in the establishment basically said, hey, we're going to go to war soon. So let's just ramp up the lockdowns and the restrictions and drive people as far away from cities as possible. Maybe. Thucydides' trap. 
war with Russia, war with China. We'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. On Timcast IRL a few weeks ago, I made a prediction. I said I thought lockdowns were going to get worse because Democrats don't have anything moving into the midterms and fear would be their only opportunity. I wasn't so sure if they would go for it. Like, I don't think it's a 100% certainty, but I, I, I thought so. I was like, nah, they, the, ending the restrictions and shutting, you know, shutting down all the COVID narrative stuff is not going to benefit them. Luke, however, Luke Rutkowski, who was, uh, was on the show for some time, and he's, he's, on, he's going on his hiatus little adventure, said that he thought it was over, that they're going to have to ease all of the restrictions, not just because of the politics, but because of Omicron, that because Omicron is more transmissible and less deadly, people are all going to get it to some degree, but then they'll end up with some kind of natural immunity, and thus we're going to stop hearing about it. And I thought it was wrong. Uh, now I will say I stand corrected. I, in fact, was wrong. It was a guess, and it was a guess based off of, you know, moving into politics. But I, I see now the error of my ways. I think Luke was right. Take a look at the stocks right now. You've got Amazon down a little bit. Netflix taking a big hit in their stock. Peloton down as well. Now, I can't tell you exactly why all of these things are taking a hit. Also, cryptocurrencies took a big hit. But it seems in- it's, it's, it is interesting to me at least that these stocks that are getting highlighted are the lockdown stocks. The big box stores, Netflix, Peloton. Why were they so valuable? Well, when you can't go outside, you ride your Peloton. When you can't go outside, you watch Netflix. When you can't shop at stores, you shop through Amazon. Seems to me, people in the know, uh, people who are trading stocks and might have some insider information, have begun making moves as if the lockdowns are about to completely end. And we've seen this in some countries already in the UK. They're just shutting it all down. Maybe based on the fact that Boris Johnson, the UK, and these uh, politicians decided to end all restrictions and all vax passports, many people started to make small predictions. You end up with someone who understands the news saying, I'm going to bet against lockdowns now. And this creates a wave of people just following suit. So maybe it's not really that anyone knows, but... Wisdom of the crowds, my friends. But let me give you a real tangible example of the narrative breaking and something that says to me, well, it's, it's, it's over. It's this story from The Hill and, and the peripheral stories. Bill Maher, HBO, mainstream media, blah, blah, blah. He says to Fauci, don't sit there in your white coat and tell me just do what we say. It's a remarkable thing to be coming from Bill Maher and it's a year and a half too late? Fauci said, do as you're told in November of 2020. And Bill Maher is only just now realizing what was said? Sure. Bill, in my opinion, is not relevant to the conversation. Uh, and, and, and I'll break that down a little bit because a lot of people, you know, give me pushback. I tweeted about that. But when, when Bill Maher who is a mainstream liberal personality, starts questioning the narrative and the orthodoxy. And now, even if he is a year late, starts questioning Fauci and has on Barry Weiss, who said, I am done with COVID. It sounds like the establishment has backed down. Sounds like they're now formally saying, this is it. We're going to open the doors again. We're going to get back to normal. 
And I think there's, there's, there's some good news here, and there's some bad news here, but mostly just good news. The bad news is only a little bit, and I'll explain. Actually, it's not necessarily bad news. There's good news, and then there's, you know, like areas of concern. We'll put it that way. Let me read the story from, from The Hill. Then I want to show you what Barry Weiss said. I'm going to break down where the establishment is, but then I want to talk to you about my thoughts on this. Bill Maher pushing back against blindly following the advice of Fauci. Quote, that's not a criticism of them like they're being corrupt. Although there certainly is plenty of corruption in the medical establishment, the real-time host said. But I've always maintained that the big overarching theme should be that people look back and say, oh, look how far we've come medically. Yes, that's true. We're not putting wooden teeth in our mouth like in the George Washington era. And of course, we have antibiotics and lots of vaccines and lots of other things that have been miraculous. But in general, we still don't understand too much about how the human body works, Mar said. The medical community, the controversial HBO's, uh, HBO host said, has been wrong a lot throughout history. Really? This is amazing, isn't it? Why? It's amazing because you probably said the exact same thing two years ago when all of this was starting, right? They drilled mercury into my teeth when I was a child. Now, of course, we don't do that anymore. But do you really think in 50 years people will look back and say, oh, yeah, we had it all figured out in 2022? No, they will be appalled at things we are doing right now. Despite the country seeing more than 860,000 deaths from COVID, Marr said he was never scared of the pandemic. Really? I was always scared of the reaction to it. And, uh, and as this played out, that has only proven to be more true for me, he told Deadline. It was never that virulent a threat, I thought, to people who were in good health. That, are you not in good health, Bill Maher? You went and got double vaxxed and then complained about the, how they wanted you to get a booster. Now some people can't help that they're not in good health. We should of course, pr protect the vulnerable. But it was mostly a disease of the very old, which every disease is a threat to, and people who have comorbidities, which mostly is due to lifestyle. Of vaccines, Bill Maher, who had COVID in May, said, they just prevent you from dying, which is the great part of it. Let's not undercount that. But if they don't prevent you from transmitting it, and they don't prevent you from getting it, why are we still treating this disease the way we always have? COVID-19 has been known to blah, blah, blah. I don't care the hill. Okay, so Bill Maher, he, he does this interview talking about where we're at. The problem I have with this, Bill Maher is not an honest person. This is from CNBC, November 12th, 2020. Fauci says U.S. has independent spirit, but now is the time to do what you're told. Wow. I said no. Uh, I think most of you said no. And many people said no. We said we are more than happy to accommodate public health with evidence. And they didn't have any. And the evidence they did present was lacking, as it were. I know that when I looked at all of the health stats and I read the CDC data, I said, okay, I'm not too worried about it. I'm worried about older people because a novel virus will spread rapidly. Omicron, while less uh, uh, deadly, has an extremely high what are they, what, yeah, transmissibility. So they're saying, you know, like everyone's going to end up getting it. Luke, of course, I mentioned, said he thinks this will result in, in herd immunity. But uh, so, look, it was bad. You know, it, it, when I got it, as, as you've heard me say, worst illness I've ever experienced. And I got treatment for it. And that's, that's saying a lot. You know, when, uh, whenever I get sick, I think this may be the only time in my life I've gotten a medical treatment for an illness. Yeah, no, 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 no joke. When I had the flu back when I was like, how old was I, like 19, 18 or 19? And I, was, I thought I was, I felt like I was dying. I just slept it out and watched TV and it was miserable. With this, it was so bad, I actually sought medical attention. 
I, I think I probably would have been fine, but I do think it's fair to point out a lot of people are concerned about lingering health effects after the fact, long COVID, and how even after you get it, you'll start to feel better, but it's still like a couple weeks to a month before all of the symptoms are gone. Fair point. You know, this was something else. This was something bad. This is something bad. I get it. But to give up your freedoms or to pretend like all of a sudden now Bill Maher is like, don't tell me what to do. Is that a joke? Is that a joke? Let's talk about where we're at. The good news is this. Barry Weiss tells Bill Maher that COVID restrictions and closure of schools will be seen as a moral crime by younger generation and says we must return to normal life. She said, I'm done with COVID. She was like, I did everything. I was desanitizing the Pringles can and all of that stuff. But now she's just done. But what's happening to kids will be seen as a moral crime. Barry, thank you for uh, speaking out. Uh, I think Barry is just someone who's, I don't know what, like six months behind the curve. I'm not saying that to be disrespectful. There's no dig at Barry. I think Barry's a, a, good, a good person, and I'm glad she's speaking up. But it took Barry a very, very long time to catch up to where we're at. And it may be because she floats between the mainstream and the independent. So uh, the world's, the, you know, the independent anti-establishment new generation versus the mainstream corporatist generation. She's someone who, you know, worked at the New York Times. But she still has her foot on the ground and she recognized what was going on. She spoke out against it and said, this woke stuff is not popular. People don't like it. She challenged it. Ultimately ended up leaving, saying the paper had become insufferable. Uh, well, though, I, I don't think she said un- insufferable. Those are my words, but that, that would be the correct assessment. Because she's floating in both realities, she's hearing a lot from the establishment, which is wrong, which lies, from people like Bill Maher. Bill Maher, a week after the Covington incident was proven to be a hoax, still pushed the lie. Bill, seriously, read Why Don't You? Now, I can respect the man and Barry Weiss for having logic within their being and being willing to stand up to, these, uh, to, to the establishment, but how long did it take them? And is it, and is it because they didn't actually read any news? They, they heard things from other people? questioned it, but just espoused it as, without challenge? Yeah, maybe. Or maybe they're liars. I don't know. But I don't understand how it took them this long to get to this position. They go to mention. Here, uh, here's the clip we just have right here of uh, uh, Barry Weiss and Bill Maher saying that more and more people, many of whom have, have been com- uh, complaint COVIDians, are now starting to feel the tide is turning. Quote, I'm sorry, but if you believe the science, you will look at the data that we did not have two years ago, and you will find out that cloth cloth masks do not do anything. You will realize that you can show your vaccine passport at a restaurant and still be asymptomatic and carrying Omicron. And you realize, most importantly, that this will be remembered by the younger generation as a catastrophic moral crime. This is the weirdest thing to me. I just... It's it's it, it, it seems so tribal for Barry Weiss to come out and say masks don't work because I'm not going to play that game. I can understand people not liking mask mandates. I can understand people pointing to the box of cloth masks that say does not stop the transmission of viral particles or whatever. But it does stop you from spitting on people. There are studies showing that in incidents where people are wearing masks and people aren't, the people in, in the situation with with masks, transmission was lower. I don't know if it was lower by much, but a, a, a decent amount. It's just, I don't, I don't understand why this is the game that people play. It's either you're on one tribal side or the other. It's like, is there any nuance here? When you get sick, when you have the flu or a cold or whatever, you wear a mask. Why? Because when you sneeze, you spray snot and other garbage in the air. 
or when you cough or when you talk. This is the weirdest thing to me. I just don't get it. This is why I got to be honest. When I see this, I don't trust Barry Weiss and I don't trust Bill Maher. Bill Maher says, Fauci, you can't tell me what to do about an article that happened a year ago. Barry Weiss claims masks don't do anything. The frontline coalition of doctors that have been very controversial and been banned from everywhere actually recommend masks. Any, I, I got to be honest. I think any person who's actually tracking this honestly will say something like, maybe we're overdoing it with the masks. Maybe the mask mandates are insane and don't make sense. If you're not sick, it doesn't make sense. But even before this, people wore cloth masks if they were sick. And we talked about it all the time. You'd see viral posts on Reddit or whatever. They'd be like, it's interesting how in Asia they wear masks because they want to try and reduce the transmission of whatever they're sick with. But then COVID happens. Conservatives were the ones who first came out saying to wear masks. I got, I had people sending me masks. And then there was a weird inversion where all of a sudden now the right was against the masks and the left was, I think it had something to do with the mandates. Once the government said, you have to, people pulled them off and said, screw you. You can't tell me what to do. It was, an, it was a choice. And my attitude was just like, eh, it's whatever. You know, I don't like the mandates. Don't get me wrong. Can understand people not wanting to wear those for eight hours at work, especially if they're not sick. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But they stop you from spitting and coughing, you know, garbage on people. So I, I, I can say this. The policy was insane. But this just reeks to me of Barry deciding that the left has lost popularity. The Democrats are spiraling out of control and regular people. The popular narrative is on this side and they're just going to say whatever they have to say. Now, for perhaps... I'll take the win, right? That's why I say it's not necessarily bad news. It's more like an area of concern. An area of concern is that I don't believe Bill Maher and his audience and his guests are honest people. I, I, no, no, no. I know Ben Shapiro did a great job on Bill Maher show a while ago. I've had uh, uh, some high profile people tell me like, we're going to reach out. We want to get you on Bill Maher, Tim. And I said, I won't do it. I'm not going on a show to entertain year old conversations with a show that just to me is not relevant. Maybe that's arrogant. I don't know. Pe people are going to say, you know, what I was told by some higher profile individuals, they were like, it's the mainstream. It's where a lot of regular people are watching the news and they're going to hear you and you're going to take that advanced conversation and inject it into the conversation on Bill Maher. And I said, no, I won't do it. And it's not just about Bill Maher's show. It's about, first of all, high profile people saying they want to make the connection to get me on the show is on an invitation. I've not been invited on that show and I wouldn't do it. I'm not, I don't know. Call it whatever you want, sour grapes. But here's my point. What I find disconcerting here is that this is the mainstream show that doesn't crack a million views in the ratings. What does it get? Half a million? 300,000? And you're calling that mainstream? That's what bothers me. First, I wouldn't fly out to Los Angeles to go on this show because I'm running a company. That's the, that's the easy thing. Again, I will stress, I've not been invited on that show. But we've had some people on the show who are well connected, who are like, would you be interested if we reached out and, 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 and you know, got you on? I said, I, I'm not going to do it. And a few of these people, you know, come on, man. And I'm like, no, 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 look, they, they, they've not invited me. I want to make sure that's absolutely clear. I don't want to make it seem like I'm upset that they're not inviting me. First, 
it was very difficult enough, you know, for me to go on Joe Rogan's show in November. We had to bring a trailer with the show, drive it out there so that we could do it. But here's the main issue, okay? Bill Maher is not relevant to the conversation. Let me, sh- let me show you this tweet, and I'll show you what people have, have res- how, how people have responded to it. In response to Bill Maher's clip from Barry Weiss, where she's like, I'm done with COVID and all that stuff. I said, Bill Maher's show is irrelevant to the conversation at this point. Being a year behind is better than the rest of, the, of media, but it's still revealing. Why watch a show having conversations we all had over a year ago? And I'm not exaggerating. That's why I show this, this story from CNBC of Fauci saying, do what you're told from November 2020. It was that long ago. Now, many people said, you don't understand, Tim. This is people in the mainstream waking up to what's going on. These are regular liberals and blah, blah, blah. Now, you know, and I, I just stop and I say, I don't care about this waking up normies or whatever. Okay, that's fine. The show existed. It's fine that the show happened and regular people are now getting that dose of reality. I said, people who already discussed these ideas are sharing this clip with each other. Why? I don't care about year old conversations just because they happen on a mainstream media show. Is it to let me and others know that they are finally having the conversation? To be honest, no disrespect. I still don't care. Old news. We need to set the news cycle ourselves and stop acting like these shows matter. It is a good thing that Bill Maher is discussing these things. It is a good thing that prominent mainstream liberal types are finally saying enough. It's a good thing. It's a bad thing when prominent personalities are sharing these clips all over Twitter, acting like his show matters to us. We need to stop acting like Bill Maher, the New York Times and CNN are the dominant cultural powers. They may be. But you will not, you will not win that ability to set the cycle unless you assert it. So again, I'm not saying this to be disrespectful to anybody. I understand why people are sharing this. And now after this, I would say this to everybody who shared the Bill Maher clip and they're very excited about it. Here I am talking about it too. I'm glad we're having that conversation. And, and, and I appreciate all of you realizing now that Bill Maher is waking up to this and that Barry Weiss are sharing, sharing these ideas. Barry Weiss was late to the wokeness uh, story by five or six years. And I'm not saying that to be mean. It's just, it's just not her world. And I was late to it. I wasn't even, you know, making this kind of content during Gamergate. It was only like a year or two after it, I started making content that, that started breaking into these areas. So we all enter, you know, the, the conversation when we do. And there are certainly many people who are ahead of me in terms of what their predictions are, are, are and, you know, them being correct. But I want to I stress this point. This conversation that they're having is old. That's what I want to make sure you recognize from this. You don't need to share them. You, we, we, from this point forward, we should be saying, wow, look at them failing to, to address issues that we already knew about. I'm 35 in about, man, about a month and a half. I'm going to be 36. Yikes, old man, huh? We are inheriting the, the world, you know, our, our generation, millennials. Bill Maher is aging out. Barry Weiss, who is around my age, I believe a little bit older than me. I'm not actually, no, she might be younger than me. I don't know how old she is is behind the curve. We are going to be setting the news cycle. Not just me, a lot of people. I mean, Joe Rogan is gonna, is, sets the news cycle to a great degree now. We're, we're going to see it from Steven Crowder. We're going to see it from Kyle Kalinske or Jimmy Dore. Over time, the conversations we have 
will determine what the nation and the world talks about. Bill Maher is talking about something that probably will not break into the mainstream in the way a lot of people think it will, because we already had that conversation. There was a period where we were the outliers. CNN was getting tens, you know, getting tens of millions of views or whatever they were getting. I don't know. And we were on the sidelines. Shows like this, people like me, would get only tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of views. As time goes on, and you and I get older, and the younger generation is more inclined with watching this kind of content, and the, older, the oldest generation is aging out, viewership is starting to drift into areas like ours. And now, I'm fairly certain that, I don't, I don't know about on YouTube, I have to check, but I'm pretty sure Timcast, my show, gets more views. Well, Timcast IRL gets more views than Bill Maher's show, that's for sure. I don't know about all in all with his HBO plus his YouTube. His YouTube may actually put him over the edge, but it's shifting. There used to be a point where Bill Maher was getting like a million views. Now it's, I think it's way down and my show's going up. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't just mean this talk about me. I'm talking about everybody. Timcast IRL is growing. We're, we're getting bigger and bigger guests. We're having, you know, better and better conversations. And, uh, and I think in a few years, Bill Maher is just not relevant. Uh, he, he'll just be out of the conversation completely. I mean, the dude's decently old as it is. He's a boomer. And he had his time. When I was younger, I used to watch his show all the time. I remember being like 18 or 19. This show's been on the air forever. But now, for me, someone who grew up watching Bill Maher, being that city center-left liberal type, challenging the machine, opposing war. Now, when I turn on Bill Maher, I'm just like, well, that happened a year ago. How is that relevant to anything we need to discuss or talk about? It's not. And so at this point for me, I feel like I am not being served properly. You know, the information that I require and the conversations required in the debates with a show like Bill Maher. Ben Shapiro went on and he challenged Malcolm Nance and it was brilliant. And Ben Shapiro is fantastic. Quick witted guy. No wonder he's so successful. Seriously. And I just wonder, I mean, like, I guess it's good. I guess, you know, I guess it's good those conversations are happening, but I, I just look at it this way. If we stop acting like the New York Times is so important, if we recognize that Bill Maher is a year late to the party and people stop conversing about it, you know, you'll go to the water cooler at your workplace, you who's, you know, between 30, you know, you, you are likely between 24, 25 and 34. You'll be at the workplace and someone will be like, hey, did you see Bill Maher? And you'll go, no, I, I don't watch it. And they'll go, oh, really? And be like, no, I watch, you know, Crowder. And they'll go, oh, oh, I watch Bill Maher. And you'll be like, I haven't watched that show in a long time. I mean, his news is so out of date. He gets so much wrong. And they'll go, oh, oh, wow. Okay. Or how about this? Someone says, you see what's going on? You, you watched Bill Maher the other night? Man, that, that Barry Weiss lady, she was talking about X, Y, and Z. And you can be like, yeah, I mean, you know, that's cool. I, I don't watch it. You know, I watched him cast IRL because they, they had guests on talking about just that a year ago. And uh, the story about Fauci telling us what to do, that was in November of 2020. So I guess, you know, we're just ahead of the news cycle. I'm not saying to be snooty. I'm being somewhat facetious. My point is, with respect to Barry and Bill for, for finally speaking up to this stuff, you and I already knew all of it. So how are we served? How are we, you know, the, 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 our generation better off now from this show? We're not. I can recognize that Barry's speaking to boomers, I guess, and the politically uninitiated. 
Okay. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying we need to assert ourselves. You do. I do. You know, Crowder, Jimmy Dore, Joe Rogan, everybody needs to start saying we are the, are the ones who are pushing the conversation. And it's not because we want to uh, demand respect or anything like that. Absolutely not. It's because of what's true. And what's true is, you know, we all talked about this a long time ago. You know that independent media, these, these, these podcasts and these channels were discussing these ideas a long time ago. And it's not even about, look, Steve Bannon's fairly mainstream. He was talking about this. And Alex Jones was too. So behind the curve, man. I'll leave it there. It's a, it's a good change. It is. I'm glad to see people waking up, and I think the end, the end is nigh for the COVID restrictions. But we'll see how it plays out. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. So long as the political right, the independence, the freedom-type individuals, the liberty-minded can't work together, there will be nothing but chaos culturally and politically. The establishment in the mainstream, I mean, they're aflame. That's just been pure chaos for some time. Twitter is a trash hole. It's lost a ton of people. Its stock had dropped uh, recently. And their new CEO is ban happy. But what's the alternative? Getter? CEO of Getter says they're going to ban hate speech, same as anybody else. But they'll allow you to talk about politics. Twitter doesn't. So there's your competition. Then you have, you know, Parler, which went up in flames. Okay, I don't know. that That's basically gone. I'll just, it's just pure chaos. Gab seems to be the only social media platform that actually allows you to have free speech. Mind you, there are some restrictions, like you can't do illegal things and doxing is against the rules. And I think most people basically agree doxing probably should be against the rules. I don't know if it should be illegal, but I, I don't think anybody wants to be on a platform where people are just going to spam your address and it just cause problems for you. But we have another website, Trump's Truth Social with breaking news. They are developing a content moderation practice to ensure family-friendly community. Bravo, everyone. Everyone who worked on, uh, on Donald Trump's platform, it will be more censorious than Twitter, Gab, Getter, Parler. At least based on the initial reporting here, it would seem that you will be worse off on Donald Trump's social media platform than you would be on Twitter. Now, maybe not Twitter. Maybe Getter is better. That's funny, right? Getter is probably going to be better than Trump. Uh, uh, Trump's Truth Social. It's it is better than Twitter. Gab is probably better than all of them in terms of uh, uh, free speech. The First Amendment is their uh, um, is is their community guidelines. As long as it's legal speech and protected, you're allowed to say it. But I think what we're actually seeing is that deep down, whether anyone wants to admit it. They don't want to be on a free speech platform. They want to be on a platform where their particular speech is accepted, allowed, and can flourish. Why don't more people use Gab? Well, Gab as a center, uh, as a central, central hub for true free speech, the website's open source, you know, but as an actual place for spe free speech, people don't want to go there. And, I, and I'm not trying to drag Gab. I'm, I'm dragging people. Most people who fled to Gab in the first place are of a particular worldview, and many of these Trump supporters, especially people, and, and many people on the left, particularly left, don't want to communicate with them. And thus, you're creating tribal pocket social media. This is ultimately where we're going. Now, nobody really wants to be in an echo chamber, but that's what you'll get. On Twitter, if you say learn to code, you're banned. On, on Getter, 
Apparently, they're better than Twitter in some respects, but they still ban hate speech. So maybe people will migrate together, but the left probably won't because they don't want certain news allowed anyway. So then you have Parler, which is in the dust, I guess. Trump Truth Social is going to be worse than Twitter. I just see chaos. I see nothing that will bring anyone together. Here's the breaking story from Fox Business. They report exclusive. When Truth Social launches later this quarter, the Trump Media and Technology Group social media platform will already have stringent content moderation practices in place to ensure it is family friendly. It is a family friendly online community, according to Devin Nunes. Both Nunes and former President Trump separately have told Fox Business that Truth Social is expected to be up and running by the end of the first quarter of 2022. But those involved in the final stage of the platform's development told Fox Business that they anticipate that malign actors will target the site and attempt to flood the platform with illegal content, especially during and immediately after the formal launch. Fox Business has learned that Trump Media Group is partnering with Hive, a San Francisco-based Series D startup that provides automated solutions through cloud-based artificial intelligence to under- for understanding images, videos, and text content. Hive's technology provides automated content moderation across video, image, text, and audio. Hey, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. You will get nothing from this platform. Let me just tell you guys, I'd love for there to be a functioning, popular, free speech wing of the free speech party. But there's a reason why Twitter bans these people. The left, well, they're soft, frail, wads of cookie dough who can't handle mean speech. And so they panic and they quit. Look at what's that, what's that cry, cry, guy who cried, the Lego, uh, uh, Will Wheaton. He was, uh, he's the, they made a Lego character for Star Wars where he was crying. That's what I was going to reference. The guy who was crying and such, he got, uh, I'm sorry, Star Trek. He got really mad about that. He quit Twitter. He was like, I'm not going to be on Twitter because Donald Trump is allowed to be here. And then he goes to Mastodon and they were like, you're a bigot and you're banned. And he was like, well, then I guess I'll go nowhere. That, that, that's, that, that's the left on Twitter. The whiny crybabies who are like, if you don't change the rules, I'm going to go home and, and, and you, you can't play. So Twitter looks at the two groups and says, look, the Trump supporters are more resilient, meaning they'll stick around even if we ban them. They can tolerate this. The left won't. So mathematically, what makes the most sense? Ban the right to accommodate the left. Then we'll retain as many people as possible. A lot of people think Twitter is overtly political. I don't necessarily think it's true. I think they are political. I think they do have their biases. But I think a lot of what this is, uh, is just maximizing user base. Certainly, I believe politics plays a role in a lot of what they do. I think the CEO, you know, Jack Dorsey, when he was CEO, was being duplicitous. I think they're, you know, many of their staff are. But I think Twitter looked at it like the left can say anything and the right won't leave the platform. But if the right says learn to code, the left will freak out. They'll publish articles. They'll hurt our stock price. So ban as many people on the right as we can to maximize the amount of people who use the platform. I bet they even have an, like an algorithm, like an equation where they were like the most people that can, you know, the big, largest percentage that can be tolerated will end up being like 80% right wing and like 60% left wing. But the most vocal users and most active users will end up being left wing. And so you have to get rid of some of the rights so of the left stays to find that happy medium. Well, I don't know what uh, uh, Trump truth social will actually end up doing. They aren't wrong to say they will be flooded with illegal and disgusting content. That's for sure. But if they're going to be family friendly, and even Twitter isn't family friendly, what makes you think you'll be able to say the things you want to say on this platform? It's just another site. 
They're going to say, quote, we want to be very family friendly. We want this to be a very safe place. And we are focused on making sure any illegal content is not on that site. Hive has a great track record on this, and they have been good to work with, Nunes said. They are very helpful for our team, and because of their experience, I think they're helping to craft the right spot for us. So Trump's Truth Social will be using artificial intelligence to ban things. What's going to happen? The same thing that Twitter does. You're going to go on and you're going to say, ha ha ha, learn to code. Maybe not specifically learn to code, but then you'll get banned. That's one of the big problems. The reason why Twitter keeps saying, oh, it's an accident, oh, it's an accident, Partly because, well, it's not, because their algorithms are designed to go after people, for the most part, who are on the right. You need only look at their misgendering policy. So people don't really want free speech. They don't. Look, I think most people want free speech, but only as it pertains to what they want to say. For instance, how many parents do you think would be happy if someone took the left's message and started parading around downtown with with big signs? See, there's a difference here. In a public space the commons, which we have to use, you may end up with parents being like, I do not like that message, but I understand they have a right to do it. But what happens if it's a private establishment, a movie theater or a shopping mall? And you walk in the shopping mall and there are people with all of these things here. Well, the parents are going to be like, let's go to the other mall. This one's creepy. And then that mall is going to say, yo, this is hurting our business. And they're going to say, shut it down stop these, these, this picketing. Then the people go to another mall and there's Trump who says, no, 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 I, I don't, I don't want any of these lefties coming to my mall with the crazy Antifa stuff. So we're going to shut that down too. Regular people would prefer to avoid disgusting and awful speech. The challenge now is when you have platforms that are designed to allow people to communicate, which can impact, which, which does impact politics, people need to be able to say what they want to say. And so it is challenging. The difference being that even when you do block people, and that should be the principal solution, other people can still, they can make a new account. They can get around it. So it's difficult. When you're in the real world and you know that you're going to be walking down the street, there's something interesting in the, uh, in, in the social restrictions people experience. Very few people want to confront someone face to face, but online, there's no fear. So it seems like when it comes to Twitter, Truth, Gab, whatever platform you're using, the dial is cranked up to 11. People are like, I can't see you. I don't know you. This is what I really think. In the real world, we don't deal with that. In the real world, people keep to themselves and they try to avoid saying certain things. And I'll tell you this. It's one of the reasons why on TimCast IRL, we do not do remote conversations because there's something very different about listening and looking at a camera as opposed to sitting down in front of me and speaking. And I've seen it. I've experienced it. And I know it. I've done interviews. When someone's sitting there, when someone's actually talking to you, there's a restriction. There's like a personal thing. It's like, I don't want to get too confrontational. And maybe it's because of what I think Mike Tyson said this. Maybe it was Mike Tyson that people have become uh, too comfortable with not getting punched in the face. I don't think anybody should be hitting anybody, right? However, if you go out in public and say some of the things people say on Twitter to someone to their face, yeah, you're going to get into a fight. And it's, it's bad, you know, fighting is, I, I don't like fighting, especially if someone's just trying to, you know, insult you and, and trigger you. If someone attacks you, defend yourself for sure. But I mean, think about it on Twitter, people will scream, you know, just whatever they want at someone else. I understand why Trump wants to make it family friendly. His view is probably that Truth Social is not going to be a public park where people are playing baseball and yelling profanities. 
It's going to be more like an, a private indoor arena where there's a dress code and, you know, that's fine, I guess, within reason. The problem I have is these, these, these platforms may be in some ways analogous to the real world, but they're so very different. And I don't know if I have all the answers. Personally, I believe if the content is legal, it should be allowed and you should just block people. You should only follow people that you choose to follow and you should just, in fact, I'll put it this way. In many ways, these platforms should offer you up controls to make the safest environment for yourself. It should not be family friendly. It should be that you can choose as an individual to set the restrictions. You should choose as a parent to say, we want a, a censorship. You know, don't show any posts on this platform that use these words. You can add words to it if you don't want them looking at other words. And you decide as the parent what you want for your family. As an adult, you can say the same things to yourself. Don't show images or videos that are potential, that are marked not safe for work. I don't want to see it. And that's on you. Why Trump would have to do this? Well, the reality is that it comes down to illegal content. And the concern is, if, a, if, if an influx of illegal content appears on any one of these platforms, they'll get booted out of the app stores, making it very difficult for them to thrive because Google and Apple own you. They own what you see. They own the apps on your phone and they can remove it. Therein lies the big problem. Trump knows that if they try doing what Gab did, they get kicked out in two seconds. And then what's their platform? What Trump wants, what Nunes wants, what the Trump crowd wants is a platform where they can talk about Dr. Malone, where they can talk about the 2020 election without getting censored. Anything outside of that, they don't care about. Here's the problem. Is anybody going to want to join this? I mean, let's be real. Trump supporters probably. They want to follow Trump, but you can get Trump's emails. You can follow Trump on Gab. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All of Trump's emails appear on Geb. Will the left on Twitter join? No. They're overly sensitive. They can't stand being around it. So what ends up happening is you'll just have parallel economies. Maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. I think it leads something disastrous. Civil war. Potential civil war. But take a look at this from uh, Gizmodo. And this one I find funny. MAGA chuds are failing to grow their audiences on sites like Getter and Gab. This is a lie. It's an absolute false headline. A Washington Post analysis shows that 47 far right figures followings on Gab, Getter, Rumble, and Telegram have largely flatlined. It's a lie because they go on to say, let me, let me, let me, let me come down here. These are still considerable followings, but there are some caveats. The post didn't track video views or other forms of engagement, meaning the analysis only accounts for users who at some point clicked follow. While it's possible that some of these users have become highly active and engaged on the sites, this, the stagnation in follower count seems to indicate it's more likely that they're just lost interest, blah, 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 blah. It's a lie. It is a false headline. It's just that these platforms aren't that big to begin with. They're not failing to grow their audiences. They're growing their audiences substantially. When I joined Getter, it said that I had 800,000 followers or whatever. And I didn't realize that all they did was 
copy and paste the image from, from Twitter, which was really dumb because I have over a million Twitter followers. And at the time they ported this over only a few months ago, I had 800,000. I don't know why I'm gaining so many followers. Whatever. I guess people are following me. I post nonsense. Okay. I, I have no idea. I can't. I, I find this whole world to be quite silly and have tr- started treating it like the clown world that it is. But anyway, I digress. Getter decided that because they were getting roasted on these inflated follower counts to actually separate your Getter followers from your actual Twitter followers. It was a dumb move in the first place to mix them, but whatever. I have around 200 and some odd thousand followers on Getter. The interactions are massive. I post a photo and I get thousands of likes and and reposts and responses. And I'm actually really impressed. I I gotta admit it. Getter is better than Twitter. That's a fact. Is it perfect? No. There are a lot of people who want a pure free speech website. Well, this ain't it. They can try and claim that it is, and it's really annoying to hear the CEO, Jason Miller, say over and over again, we're free speech. No, you're not. You are not free speech. You will never be free speech. Gab isn't even perfect free speech, and it's about as close as you can get. Because Gab does ban some things like impersonation. If it's for parody reasons, they're fine with it. But even in the real world, you're allowed to a certain degree to impersonate people or to dox. So, so I, I think it's fair to point out those are reasonable rules on Gab's part. 99.5% free speech, except for these little points that most people agree you shouldn't do anyway. And there's, therein lies the big challenge, though, right? You know, when I was talking with even the CEO of Gab, I'm like, you decided, and we think it's reasonable. The left and the right, everyone basically agrees that uh, uh, doxing is wrong. But there are still that, that, there's still that group of free speech purists who think, you should be able to, to incite violence as long as you don't commit it. I, I don't agree with that. Like, I don't think you should give instruction, encourage people to do that. That's not expression. That's just advancement of crimes of violence against other people. But there are some that argue that speech itself, no matter what you say, is not the action. And there needs to be a, a line drawn there. And it's a, it's a good point. It really is. Here's what we're going to get. Trump wants a place where he can speak to his supporters and bypass the lies from the media, especially as he starts his uh, attempt at running again for, for the presidency, which I believe will happen. That's the goal of Truth Social. Truth Social will need to auto ban illegal content. Otherwise, they won't be able to grow. Trump will never, in my opinion, compete with the likes of Twitter. He had an opportunity. He screwed it all up because uh, my, I, I think I was told Jared Kushner gave bad advice to Trump. If Trump had left Twitter in the middle of his presidency and gone to Parler or Gab. Those platforms would have skyrocketed because the media would have been forced to use them and sign up. Journalists being forced to use it and sign up would result in many other leftists then signing up, creating a new space, a dominant space, that was controlled by those who believed in free speech. Trump didn't do it, and now it's too late. Trump keeps screwing this up. And that's why I say chaos, chaos, chaos. Now, Gizmodo, of course, here has this story, MAGA Juds. It's not true. The, what they're actually highlighting is that there's a limit to the growth you can get from right-wing people on right-wing platforms when there's four of them. Parler, I believe, is still around. Gab, is, of course, has always been there. Getter, and now Truth Social. And you think people are going to sign up for all of them? It ain't going to happen. Look, you need the Joe Rogans. You need the Mike Rose. You need celebrities on these platforms to, to interest people. Now, I think as we move forward, you know, as we, as we age, our generation, you and I, will be aging into power more and more, making more money, gaining more resources, and the boomer generation is going to age out. 
This means that our way of doing things will become more and more dominant. This matters when we're talking about our ability to communicate on the internet, which is what we do. Twitter controls that message. This is a very serious problem. I have a million followers on Twitter. It's the largest microblogging uh, platform. They have hundreds of millions of users around the world. Getter has a few million. Gab, I think they said they have a few million as well. I think th- I think there was like six. Getter said they had like four or something. I could be getting the numbers wrong, so I'm not trying to not trying to get anybody's numbers wrong here. Truth Social is going to have to attract people from Getter to. I, I just I just I got to be honest. I, I don't see it. What I see is that the right is inherently individualistic. And thus, they're not going to collaborate on any one big mission. The left, being collectivist, will unify around Twitter. Here's the way I see it. The right is thirsty for information. And and I don't don't just mean conservatives. I mean, you know, independents, libertarians, post-liberal, whatever you want to call it. They want debate because they want to actually challenge and address ideas. This is why there's that meme of Ben Shapiro screaming, debate me. The left hides from information. There's, there's some law, I forgot what it's called, it's an internet law, that any sufficiently unmoderated forum will inherently become right-wing. And it's uh, because the left can only maintain their narrative through authoritarian manipulation. And that's why the best example of this, you know, uh, uh, to, give you, to give you an example of the left being clueless, is when Lauren Boebert mocked Biden for saying true and a of pressure. Like, that's just gibberish that Joe Biden said. The left responded by saying something's wrong with Lauren Boebert and what is she even trying to say? Because they don't actually listen to Joe Biden. Because the media filters information to keep them all trapped in the matrix. Thus they are. We're breaking out and we're winning. You you know, I mentioned uh, in a previous segment, a segment you'll hear, uh, um, a previous segment about uh, um, Bill Maher and Barry Weiss. They're behind the curve. But you and I are on the forefront. This kind of platform is the forefront. YouTube is censorious. YouTube is... uh, uh, trying to control that narrative. For some reason, they tolerate just a bit of it, just a bit. But so long as I can keep producing on YouTube, more and more people get access to this. And as long as you guys keep sharing it, we can try to, you know, better inform people as to what's happening. Anyway, I digress. Twitter is a platform where people want to be in the, in the muck and the mire. They, they want to be hidden under the stairs, locked away in their cupboard, hearing only what they're told. They want to be in the cave, watching the silhouettes dance before them. They don't want to climb out. Outside is scary. Here, it's safe. Just tell me what to think. To quote the great Ethan Klein of the H3 podcast, you don't even got to think about it. Just do what the government tells you. It's not an actual quote. I'm paraphrasing. But that's basically what he said. He said, you don't even got to think about it. Just do what the government tells you. Something like that. Imagine all the people of the world who took that message to heart and where they left off. No. But that's what the modern establishment left is. Shutting up and doing what they're told, not challenging anything, no critical thinking. They accuse the right of being that. Well, the people who go and sign up for Truth Social, for the most part, probably still won't be that. Some of them will be, but for the most part, like, I'll sign up when Truth Social comes out, check it out and see what's going on, and maybe it'll be all right. Ultimately, I think there's there's not going to be any kind of cohesive community building on social media. The hyperpartisan divide will keep getting worse. Fighting is inevitable. And we're on the verge of war. So how about that? It was irresistible, the power. Trump thinks he's going to get all of his followers to sign up. I, don't, I think Trump underestimates just who his followers are. I think Trump has a decent following that's in the you know uh, uh, high millions, maybe low tens of millions. Low as in like maybe 10. 
People say that Trump got 74 whatever million votes. I'm like, yes, but not all of those people are followers of his who believe in him. Some just thought Biden was really bad and liked to a bit, you know, a bit what Trump was doing. So maybe it's fair to say that Trump has a strong base that actually like him of 20 million because he did gain new voters. However, you've got like 3 million diehard Trump supporters who are like, Trump is the God emperor. That scales down to like 10 million of them are like avid followers of Trump who believe in and agree with his message. Then you get to like 20 million who, uh, and I mean, you know, if we're including all of them, who then are just, they're voters, they're passive. So the diehard Trump supporters believe everything he says and they're voters. So it's all, you know, you, you see what I'm trying to say? That will not, in my opinion, translate to a robust social media platform. You want to go on a platform where they're family friendly and AI ban stuff and there's less people? Sorry, seems like Trump's platform is doomed to fail. But we'll see. I'll sign up for it. I'll check it out. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.